Welcome to this week's episode of Business Wise. This is a podcast series for entrepreneurs interested in expanding through learning and applying the management system discovered and developed by humanitarian philosopher and administrator, Mr. L. Ron Hubbard. Strangely enough, uh, we've not done that many episodes on one of the most important subjects in the area of management, the subject of leadership. I think one could say that the extent of one's influence on a group and through groups, even uh, on mankind, is to no small degree dependent on one's ability to lead. One hears of uh, born leaders, quote unquote, I don't know, I suppose, suppose so. But whether born to it or as a quality acquired, leadership is a skill and like any other skill, well understood and practiced, one can get much, much better at it. We've done only uh, one other episode on this, and I urge you to review it after this one. That would be episode 39 of volume one. That would have been from last year. If you just type leadership in the search bar, the BusinessWise homepage should be able to pull it right up. You don't have to listen to that episode to get benefit from this one, but I do recommend listening to it if you want a better or more complete understanding of the subject of leadership, uh, or even re-listening to it when you're done with this one, okay? So uh, the article we're taking this from is from Mr. Hubbard, obviously, and it's dated 29 October 1971, and is simply entitled Leadership. And uh, let's get right into it. So he starts it with this sentence. He says, in order to get his job done, an executive must be someone from whom others are willing to take orders. That's a pretty good asset test, wouldn't you say, for leadership, for an executive? Are people willing to take orders from that person or not? And if they are willing to take orders from that person, how come? And if they're not willing to take orders from that person, why aren't they willing to take orders from that person? If you can isolate these factors, obviously you can, you can improve on people's willingness to take orders from you, or a person can increase the willingness from, of others to take orders from them, and thus uh, become more ex- effective as executives and more effective as leaders. So let's carry on with the article. He says, first test of any follower of a leader requires a leader to meet is competence. How about that? He says, does the leader know what he is doing? This is already covered in the definitions of an executive. For if an executive meets these definitions, those to whom he must give orders are very likely to receive them in confidence. You want to lead a group of salesmen, you better make it your business to be a very effective salesman yourself. Otherwise, How are they supposed to receive your direction with confidence? You know, well, he can't do it and he's telling me to do this. So that's probably not going to work because he doesn't know how to do it or she doesn't know how to do it. So if you're going to lead a group of uh, in the area of construction, you know, you're going to lead a group of electricians, you're going to lead a group of architects, you're going to lead a group of doctors, you're going to lead a group of healers, any of those groups that you seek to lead. Their first test of you, whether they realize it or not, is what is your level of competence? And with that understood, they can receive your direction, as uh, as Mr. Hubbard says here, with confidence. They're willing to take direction from you. So that's your first test. So here's your group. You're going to lead them. 
get good at it, demonstrate competence in it, and they will have confidence in you. I didn't want to mix those two words up, competence and confidence. I did a whole, I think we did a whole podcast on confidence. You can look that up too in the search bar probably, but they tie it together, competence and confidence. All right, let's go on. He says, there is a great deal of mystique, and then he puts in parentheses, qualifications or skills that set a person or thing apart and beyond the understanding of an outsider. So that's a definition of mystique. Good definition. Qualifications or skills that set a person or thing apart and beyond the understanding of an outsider. You can see how a person, you know, a very competent carpenter or cabinet maker develops a certain mystique. You just don't understand. Like, how the heck can they do that? Or an artist, you know, or a photographer, like, how the devil did he take that shot? And there's mystique there. Anyway, let's go back to this. He says, there's a great deal of mystique, qualifications or skills that set a person or a thing apart and beyond the understanding of an outsider connected with leadership. Most of this mystique is nonsense. However, it is necessary that one who leads can attract attention and that he can enthuse and interest others. Okay, so write those ones down. Can attract attention. If you don't want to attract attention, skip the idea of being a leader. You got to be able to attract attention, you know, and there are many different uh, ways of going about that. Obviously, uh, having a certain commanding appearance is helpful, you know, dressing in a manner that makes one stand out uh, probably has some symbology to it that would influence others. I mean, look at the way generals dress, for instance, or. Um, and people have to com command legions, you know, they, they have all this finery and helmets and shields and banners and gosh knows what. So that's, there's a reason for that because you got to attract attention and uh, maybe the way you can attract attention is by having a better suit, having a better office, being sharper, perhaps, uh, in appearance than the average person in the group. Uh, even if you're, you know, you're running a, an auto repair shop, some of my members run auto repair shops. They look, they look intense, you know, just the way they're dressed and their way they're set up, you know, that any, they, they, they look like they run an auto repair shop, but boy, do they ever look like they run an auto repair shop. You get the, you get what I mean there. So, um, so he says it is necessary that one who leads can attract attention and that he can enthuse and interest others. No, there's different ways to enthuse people. You know, you don't have to interest people. You don't have to do it by having, you know, some sort of cheerleader beingness. Red, ah, be aggressive. You can enthuse people with your rationale, with your with your passion, with your uh, ability to articulate things. Or demonstrate things. You know, some lead by demonstration of their example. Some of you know I follow a certain hockey team. I'm not going to mention it right now because they're not doing very well. But they're great leaders. I don't listen to the dressing room. But their great leaders have always been the kind of player that can get on the ice and just through their actions generate enthusiasm on the part of the rest of the players. You know, maybe they're a little bit apathetic. They're not, they don't feel they can win. Maybe they're going a little bit hopeless. But no, the leader gets out there. And he can enthuse and interest them through their words, through their actions, 
through different ways, but you have to be able to do that. You have to be able to attract attention and enthuse and interest others. And then he says, Mr. Hubbard says, simply knowing more about the subject than others or knowing more about organization than others can cause an executive to be regarded respectfully or even with awe. So if you're running an organization, how about you get really knowledgeable on the subject of organization and be able to demonstrate that and you will be amazed at the difference it will make in the willingness of your employees to take orders because you know what you're talking about. You know what you're doing. You know, you're sorting out a line, for instance, you know, there's a, a line from the salesperson to the technical person to the salesperson. This is something that's often missed in many organizations. You know, in construction, for instance, most uh, construction companies will tell you that their salesmen have to be technically very, very proficient at construction in order to sell. That's not true. That is not true. That'd be like saying, you know, in order to sell dentistry, you have to be a great dentist. That's not true either. But does there have to be a line between the salesperson and the technical person? You bet your life there has to be a line like that and back and forth. Otherwise, you're going to have salespeople who sell things that can't be built at the price they're being sold for, or you have uh, salespeople selling dentistry that is over the moon and not realistic at all. And uh, there has to be this play back and forth from one to the next and then back. So salesman says, yeah, no, I think we can do that. Let me get my technical expert to give me uh, some, uh, give us some advice on this. So the technical person walks in, can't sell worth a hill of beans, but it's a straight shooter. And can say, ma'am, you want a house like that? Or you want an addition like that? Here are some of the realistic things you'll have to confront. You know, we have this whole situation with the basement here. We have the whole situation with uh, your roof here. You know, you want this kind of cabinetry. You want it to be able to do this and that. You want that kind of a counter in your kitchen. This is the kind of material we're going to have to build it from. Here, this is technical expertise straight from the hip. And there's a salesman, like, keeping an eye on the technician and keeping an eye on the prospect and seeing what resonates and what doesn't. And how does he now guide this technical information into something that will appeal to the potential customer? And because uh, they're the experts on the sales, but the other guy's the expert on the construction. So you work as a team and there needs to be a line like that. Same thing in a dental office, same thing in any, any technical field like that. Your salesperson has to be able to consult and tag in, as we say, the, uh, the technician. Otherwise, they're going to sell stuff that uh, is not real and you can go broke or lose your reputation just like that. So an administrator, an executive who comes in and says, ah, I can see what's going on here. We don't have a line like this. Let's put the line in. And everybody's kind of like, wow. Wow, what a great idea. Like, man, that guy's smart or, you know, he really knows his business. You know, let's listen to him from now on. You know, that's kind of the idea. All right. Then he goes on to say this. A common denominator to all good executives is the ability to communicate, to have affinity for their area and their people, and to be able to achieve a reality on existing circumstances. Now, you take those initials, that's A, R, and C. Any of you have listened to earlier podcasts where I've taught the ARC triangle, affinity, reality, and communication are three points of a triangle per Mr. Hubbard that forms understanding. And if you can increase communication, you will generally increase affinity and reality. Reality is another word for agreement. We all have reality that, you know, this is the best kind of home to build, for instance. Everybody's in agreement. We share that reality. 
So, and then, of course, communication is communication, cause, distance, effect, with duplication and understanding. So, uh, he's saying here that a common denominator to all good executives is the ability to communicate. Well, that's for darn sure. If you want to improve your leadership skill, take a communications course. <laughs> Just like that, you're going to be a better leader. If you did nothing else, but you can communicate better. You know, if your communications are uh, choppy, invalidative, evaluative, uh, just do nothing but piss everybody off, then uh, you're not going to be very effective as a leader. People aren't going to be willing to take orders from you. You know, they're not going to be willing to take uh, direction from you. So um, work on that communication skill. And there's, you can contact me. I can give you, believe me, there's some communication courses out there outside of Mr. Hubbard's work that are really rubbish. Uh, but if you want to take courses uh, based on Mr. Hubbard's principles on communication, just write me at info at wiseeastus.org, and I will send you to the nearest place where you can learn these skills. Communication is not something you learn by reading a book. You can learn about it. You can probably improve with it, but you've got to practice it. It's kind of like judo, you know? You can have a, hear a lecture about judo, but if you want to be any good at fending yourself, you better take lessons and practice. So. Same thing with communication. So, all right. And then he says, to have affinity for their area, what would you think of a leader that hated all their people? You know, disliked them and clearly expressed that. How willing do you think people are going to be to take orders from them? They can be tough. Don't mistake, you know, affinity for being mollycoddling somebody or being all, you know, worried about people. No. Uh, the great leaders I know are pretty tough. But you know what? No matter how tough they are, somehow you can tell that they actually really care about you and they want you to get through whatever it is you're, get, you're in the middle of. You know, maybe you're having a hard time with something. Maybe you're being a little bit stupid. Maybe you're not being as competent as you should. Maybe you weren't as disciplined as you should be about studying whatever it is you're trying to do. And so you're making a mess of things a bit or, or, or making errors. And, you know, the boss comes around. He's pretty tough, you know. But there's something in their eyes that really tells you they believe in you. You know, you can do this. And you know that. You get that from the clear as anything. And you get that they essentially really appreciate that you're there and that they do like you underneath that uh, gruffness. You know, I had a foreman, Walter Berg. If you ever listen to this, Walter Berg, you certainly made an impact on me as a young man, 17 years old. He was my foreman and he was tough as nails. But, um, you know, I always felt good going to work every day because I knew every day I was going to get better because that guy made me better by being demanding and being tough. And I think he really did, you know, like me as a person and, and cared enough about me to, to take the time to uh, rough me up a bit. Don't ever mistake, uh, you know, getting roughed up as somebody not caring or liking you. Sometimes it means they like you more than you think because they consider you valuable enough to spend the time to kind of rough you up. But there's an end there, an intention there that you're going to come through and be better for it. I can give you lots of examples. Good fathers like that sometimes. Good mothers like that. So You're grounded. All right, let's carry on. So he says, um, and to be able to achieve a reality on existing circumstances. How do you like getting direction or orders from somebody who has no clue what's really going on? It's not easy to follow those orders, and you probably are not willing to follow them. On the other hand, you better make sure you're taking responsibility for informing that executive of what is going on. Otherwise, you, what are you going to expect but unreal direction or orders? 
So the responsibility goes both ways. You can improve the quality of the leadership above you simply by being very informative and communicating factually and truthfully what is going on. And in a manner, we should probably do a podcast on this, on how to express those things properly as uh, a junior to a senior, because there is a way to do it properly. You don't try and do it in such a way that you are going to make that person upset in some way, your leadership, by giving them all bleak and bad news at every opportunity. Uh, But at the same time, you're not doing them any favors by giving them pie in the sky either. You know, it has to be accurate. It has to be truthful. And uh, with that, they have a better reality on the situation. And uh, and so they will give you better direction. And you, as an executive or leader, you better get your nose in there and investigate and learn what is going on before you decide you're going to chop everybody's head off. What is going on? And use your competence and use your expertise and use your affinity and use your communication skills to really establish truth and thereby be able to give a sensible direction that will probably be listened to because it's real. All right. He says, all this adds up to understanding. That's Mr. Hubbard. So ARC equals understanding. All this adds up to understanding. An executive who lacks these qualities or abilities is not likely to be very successful. Goes on. Understanding added to competence is probably the most ideal character of an executive. I think that bears repeating. You could write this one down and stick it on your computer somewhere so you can always look at it or put it on the inside of your drawer or inside of your forehead where I keep a lot of my most important things. He says, understanding added to competence is probably the most ideal character of an executive. Then he goes on to say this, the ability to lead can also be compounded of forcefulness and demandingness. And these two qualities are often seen to stand alone in leadership without regard to competence and, though acceptable to juniors to the degree that they will obey, are no long-term guarantee of an executive's supremacy. So, you can have an executive who hasn't a clue what's going on, has no affinity for their people, has no real competent level of communication, but they're full of forcefulness and they're full of demandingness. And uh, by George, people will stand up and listen, man, because they are forceful and they are demanding. And you can say, wow, that guy's a real leader. Yeah, kind of. He's got two qualities that will certainly contribute to the ability to lead, but by themselves will dead end ultimately because there's no, it's not coupled with competence and it's not coupled with understanding. So they're useful. If you're a leader who's not forceful at all, even though you might be liked, you might even be respected to some degree, you're probably not going to get a lot done. And if you're, there's no demandingness at all, again, you know, well, guys, see what you can do. You know, make whatever sales you can. You know, I understand it's kind of rough these days. And, you know, we've got this going on and that going on. It's the holidays and blah, 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 blah. No demandingness, no income. Promise you that. I can promise you that. Uh, in fact, there is an earlier episode on, I um, can't remember what it's called, but we did an earlier business-wise on the biggest factor in income or something like that. You can look that up. It talks a bit about demandingness there. You better have some demandingness as a leader. You better have some forcefulness, but don't think that those two things alone make competent leadership. They don't. Okay, so let's continue here. He says, while they are often part of a successful executive's personality, they are not a substitute for other qualities and will not see him through. 
He's talking about forcefulness and demandingness. He must truly understand what he is doing and demonstrate competence on a long-term basis in order to achieve distinction and respect. And then he says this other beautiful quote, in all great leaders, there is a purpose and intensity which is unmistakable. Plus, there is a certain amount of courage required in a leader. By God, is that ever true? You want to lead, may as well paint target on your back and one a bullseye on your forehead. You're going to attract attention from the good guys and the bad guys. So leadership and the ability to, you know, okay, we're lost in the forest. And I am leading this expedition. My decision will determine whether everyone lives or dies. What kind of courage does it take to make a decision like that? I take it to an extreme. But in the expeditionary wilds where Mr. Hubbard was frequently, as a young man, involved and, uh, and had to lead expeditions like that, Mr. Hubbard does not speak here of leadership uh, from any ivory tower. I mean, if you, if you studied his life or his history, he led uh, warships during the Second World War, captain vessels in the Second World War. He led expeditions into uh, dangerous places. This individual, this man, definitely knew what he was talking about on the subject of leadership. Not to mention uh, leading a worldwide movement that is very likely the only real hope for man to dig himself out of the mess we've gotten ourselves into. But anyway, back to this, he says, in all great leaders, there is a purpose and intensity, which is unmistakable. Plus, there's a certain amount of courage required in a leader. So think about that. Have a little guts. Be willing to take your chances and lead your group uh, and, and count on your own decisions to be as sane as possible. That's one of the reasons why it's so important to be competent. And what is your purpose? And can you really be in touch with that purpose? And do you offer true intensity on that? Can you inspire that? And then he goes on to say, a man who merely wants to be liked will never be a leader. Others follow those who have the courage to get things done, even though they say they follow those they like. A broad examination of history shows clearly that men follow those they respect. Respect is a recognition of inspiration, purpose, and competence. How about that for a definition? Let's do that one again. Respect is a recognition of inspiration, purpose, and competence. And then Mr. Hubbard completes the article by stating, the qualities of leadership are not difficult to attain, providing they are understood. There you go, L. Ron Hubbard. All right, so like anything else, leadership is a skill. If you understand it well, if you know its component parts, which we've just outlined here, in this episode, and you work to master each and every one of them, you cannot help but become a greater leader than you are. You may be a pretty good leader already. I don't know. But if you now understand the subject better and work on these various points, no matter how good you are, you can get better. And Lord knows, we certainly need great leaders these days in what Mr. Hubbard has referred to in the past as an almost leaderless society. So please don't be afraid of leadership. Please step up. And be a leader, most of you, any of you, all of you, 
We need more leadership for the greater good. Uh, what you're witnessing right now is a sort of a carelessness and a lack of responsibility and people not willing to lead. You know, they're willing to, quote, help, end quote. But who are they helping? They're helping leaders. And if there's an absence of leaders, then there's no one to help, is there? And we would therefore be somewhat helpless in the tumultuous climate of our times. And that is kind of where we're at, isn't it? But you do see, and I see, amongst my membership in particular, and uh, amongst other great leaders within this movement, more and more people stepping up. Uh, and that's a gratifying thing. that I could say, I would almost say, that uh, our future uh, as a group, uh, as a race, as mankind, is pretty dependent upon those who are willing to lead and there being enough of those who are willing to lead. I guess that about wraps it up for today. Hope you found this useful. Uh, a bit longer but uh, than normal episodes, but I think uh, if you listened all the way through, hope you found it was worth it. And I look forward to hearing from you in particular on this episode, particularly if you have an interest in leading. Uh, I'd love to meet you. Write me at info at wiseeastus.org and let me know your thoughts and what your purpose and intensity is directed towards and I will help you as best as I am able to info at wiseeastus.org okay thanks for listening we'll talk again next week